0: back in the action there's a lot going on in there I'm sure um, I wanted to just clarify something from the the earlier question I don't know if you're here yeah I want to just restate that Robert and I are not negating the mind the mind is a very valuable tool and it's what gets us around. It's solved millions of incredible problems. The thinking mind. Yeah, yeah. The problem, is, the problem is not with thinking. The problem is our attachment to our thoughts and our belief in our thoughts about ourselves and that we have a limited perception of reality. It's not that the mind is bad or that thinking is bad. I hope that's, I hope that's clear.
1: Positive thoughts and visualizations,
0: that's all good. Um, it's fine. I personally don't do that because it's just, it's, it's, it's attaching to the thought as well. Okay, so we're going to do a little sit, what do you think, about half an hour? We'll sit for about a half an hour, and um, some of it will be guided, and some of it will be silent. So in our description (coughs) and in our introductory remarks, we talked about the whisper of silence. Uh, The roar of the ego, the drone of the opinionator, and the whisper of silence.
2: In this set, kind of put it into your seed bank that you're going to be interested in identifying thought as it happens. The more you can identify it, the more able than you are to just label that thinking, staying out of the content of the story, the drama of it, the personal story, and just label it thinking and let it go. It's just thinking and there's endless thought. You don't need to hang on to any of it. So. I guess this is a meditation on noticing thought and releasing it. Yeah?
0: And then we're moving into the listening. Hmm? Then we're moving into listening. Then we're moving into listening.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. All, all of what I'm saying being done in the context of the silence. Like when, you, when in doubt and you don't know what to do or you get confused, listen. Let's let the silence be the teacher, which it truly is. So, you know, if you find yourself often thought, oh, oh, thought, thinking, then come to the silence. Yeah?
0: Close your eyes and make yourselves comfortable. and see what's happening inside. (laughs) And notice that you are breathing. Just as Robert said, the breath is coming and going by itself. There's nothing we need to do. It's happening. Our hearts are beating, our breath is moving. There are thoughts in the mind. sensations
2: in the body Uh, our position is that we notice we're noticing what's happening not having to do anything about it and realize that everything that we notice sensations Feelings, thoughts, it's all coming out of silence. And you can hear the silence.
0: that each breath is coming and going on its own. Sensations are appearing and disappearing. (coughs) And our thoughts are moving through if we can let them go. Step back, observe, thinking. No judgment. And within the listening, listen to the inhalation and the exhalation. And there's a still point at the top of the breath and at the bottom of the breath. Each time your mind wanders out into the past or the future, just gently come back to the present moment awareness, whether it's 10 seconds or 10 minutes. And if you're listening to your breath or if you're listening to silence, listen now with your whole body, not just your ears.
2: First of all, at this point, having just done that little practice, are there questions about the practice? I wanted to say something about working with emotions. I I mentioned earlier that Chogyam Trungpa said that emotions are the ego's generals while thoughts are the ego's foot soldiers. And uh, part of my study for so many years has been observing the beginning of emotions. Where do they come from? What are they? Mysterious energies that appear and carry us away. Anger, grief. Sadness, longing, love, fear. I don't think of love as an emotion. It's bigger. But fear. Now, the primary task of the ego self is that with every experience that comes to consciousness, internal or external, anything that comes through the senses, which is how we experience, there's an immediate reflexive reaction. I like it. Good. I want that. I don't like it. Aversion. Push it away. Get rid of it. Attraction and aversion. And then there's also the possibility of just complete indifference to every stimulus that occurs. That's the ego's task. Now when something arises in, in experience and it's there's attraction with it, that's the beginning of an emotion that be, means then I, I'm, I'm a, I want more, I want to go toward it. There's a longing and it turns in, it can very well turn into greed. And then sorrow when that gets lost whatever that we we long for is lost or when uh, there's an aversion reflexive reaction i don't like this feeling or that thought really disturbs me immediately there's the beginning of the uh, primal emotion of pushing away and if we go further with that it becomes disgust anger is aversive hatred, get rid of it denial comes in there somewhere so the emotion begins with the ego's discriminating experience categorizing it rather than just opening to everything simply as it is the ego always has an opinion the opinionator I like it, I don't like it and from there on from that moment arises, when that reflexive action happens, the emotional quality of our lives is determined by that movement of ego-self toward or away from something. We live, it's said, we live our lives between polarities of loss and gain. We try to avoid loss and we try to have gain Pleasure and pain, opposites. Praise and blame. We like praise. We try to avoid blame. Disrepute. Everybody wants to have a nice reputation or fame. That would be nice. People long for fame. Our whole lives are spent maneuvering between those ego lives, between those opposites. Liking and not liking. And if we can become more and more aware of the ego in action, we can observe our minds going for it. Something happens, ooh, I want that, I like it. If we can observe it closely, there's also the possibility of just seeing it in a context of emptiness. It's just stuff happening. It has no particular significance whatsoever other than personal opinion. Just wanted to get that in now.
0: I love that I, uh, <clears throat> notion of traction is sort of like what came to me was where the rubber meets the road, you know. Oh, yeah. sorry. The notion of traction and what came to me was where the rubber meets the road. And that's what we find out when we're sitting, right? We, we watch all of that, those places where that traction happens. Oops. I want that. I don't want that. Yes. No. Give me more. I'm this. I'm not that. And
2: it happens at an unconscious level. It's possible to become aware at that level of of seeing that initial reaction, but it takes a very quiet mind to mm-hmm. see that. It happens so quickly. And if it, if you can get ahead of it, then more relaxation, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Not easy. That's a, that's a hard one. But, it, but if you, when you find yourself in a strong emotion, you can remember, well, I'm either going away from something or towards something. No. I either like it or I don't like it. Okay.
0: I wanted to say something uh, about listening, uh, and I'm going to direct it to the therapist, but it's really for everybody. Um, it's very quiet here, so there's not much uh, external sound. But one of the things that you can do, that I do myself and that I do with my clients, is when they come into my office or when I'm sitting somewhere where there's a lot of noise, uh, I'll do a little breath work, close the eyes, just breathing a little bit, and then open to external sound. And um, it's a way of focusing the attention, you know, and um, calming everything down because when you listen you tend to get quiet. So you can listen to external sound and you can listen to internal sound and then of course you the internal sound is not something you introduce unless it's appropriate. But the external sound also has a lot of value. And what I like about listening to the external sound is contrary to thinking, you know how you can have guilt about your thoughts, like, I shouldn't be thinking this, or, you know, how that whipping goes, that internal (laughs) beating, I'm so bad for thinking this, and I should be a better meditator, or whatever it is. There's no guilt with listening, because the appearance is is that the guilt, it's gone, because we don't feel that we're responsible for that refrigerator humming. We don't feel we're responsible for the bird chirping. And so the little self can, can quiet down a little bit. So, you can, you can do both. And I certainly do both in my own practice and with my clients. It's, listening is a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm.
2: Also, every sound that comes to you is in the present moment. Exactly. Can only be now. Mm-hmm. So it's a way of something like sensations too. It's a way of orienting toward mm-hmm. this moment, mm-hmm. away from thought. Thought is always re- referring to another time, past, or future, or is comment on what's happening now, mm-hmm. but is not the experience of now.
0: So when you introduce mindfulness practices uh, into your psychotherapy practice, we're working with things like bare attention, like just feeling the uh, touch contact between your buttocks and the chair or the floor, you know. Just hearing what's around you, uh, waking up to the present moment experience rather than always attending to thought. Yes? Um, I have ringing in my ears. Uh-huh. I also have OCD monkey brain uh-huh. of just repetitive right. thoughts. And so when I'm quiet, it's a very noisy place. Yeah. So I was wondering if you had it and it seems like the more I try to focus on my breath, I get two or three breaths and then the monkey brain is going right. around and my ears are ringing and it's right. it's just noisy. Well, we're going to talk about the uh the inner sound and the ringing of the ears. Uh I don't know if you want to do that soon or now, but um one of the things you might try, have you ever done walking meditation? No. Mm-hmm. Walking meditation can be very soothing for people that are in a place where their you know, minds are just really dominant and it's too noisy. I don't know if we're going to do a walking meditation, but I can show it to you. We might, we might do one, but it's really easy and simple and because you have to, you know, stay upright and stand and move slowly, uh, you have to have you have to you have to be paying pretty close attention, and that kind of helps pull the energy away from the okay. from the internal.
3: Could you um, talk a little more about
2: the um, significance of when you um, notice your breathing
0: and wrap your mind around that it's happening regardless of your thoughts? Like, I sort of say, like, well, yeah, so, which means I know I'm not getting.
2: <laughs> well, I, I like to think of it this way, the, the body knows how to breathe, it knows how to do that. doesn't need your, the me to accomplish that. So attending to the breathing is not getting involved in doing the breathing. It's kind of settling back and noticing that breathing happens. The next inhalation comes all by itself, and the next exhalation, and there's a freedom that comes when you get into that space of just observing. You're witnessing then. There's a big freedom of uh, mind in that space. You're You're not trying to control anything at that time. One of the most difficult parts of meditation and breath, especially for people just beginning, is that there's a tendency to do the breathing. Like, okay, now... now, And that's, that's really ego working. You see, doing it. Ego's always doing something, looking for results, and then critical of the results <laughs> and how you do it. So, very busy... Yeah, it's it's a whole other way of being with breath. If you can just well let it breathe, it it knows what it's doing. I don't have to, and then what takes its place is relaxation. Yeah.
0: And relaxation is so important to meditation. I mean, it's it's hugely important. Um,
2: Maybe it's what meditation is. Yes. relaxation.
0: Really, just. Uh, sitting back and watching the show, you know. Uh, yes?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So who is watching the show? <laughs> Good question. <laughs>
0: uh, Nobody. <laughs>
2: there isn't anyone watching it, <laughs> nor there anyone creating it. Everything is simply happening, if you can get your head around that. Well, you arrived here, that's a happening, you were born, you have thoughts, they're all happening, it's the same thing, there's no one making the show happen, it is just happening, all by itself, so our responsibility is to be awake in it, and yeah, are you here? <laughs> The answer is nobody. No. The uh, <laughs> you know the the great ones say that once you have reached mm-hmm. the level of awareness, this open mind and open heart, you realize you're nobody and everybody. I know that sounds like New Age stuff, but actually, it turns out to be literally true. <laughs> Nobody's in charge. Well, I've had enough experience
1: of meditation, and observing, and, and having that experience of watching thought, and feeling my breath, and feeling sensation, and... and uh, so. But it's almost hard to believe. I'm sure that's my ego back in there. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> I don't want to wanna know that. Hard to believe that... In, in some ways, it's so easy. to to observe, you know, to get into the space of just oh, there's that thought, and oh, there. So in some ways, it's and the mind, my mind, ego wants to make it so hard and complicated.
2: Anyway, that's the ego. Yeah. Whenever you are aware of that, the ego is in eruption.
1: Yeah. I mean, I notice more and more the the thought comes up, and Mm -hmm. it seems to be a thought. Well, who's thinking all this? <laughs> who, who is watching all this? And that, that seems to be another thought. Who's but, asking? <laughs> who's asking? <laughs>
2: and it just goes...
0: Uh-huh.
1: Mm, so to just let go, I mean, when that question arises, because it does, it does arise mm-hmm. as I have more experiences of really... There is some space, some separation.
2: The, where, where I've come to with that is the best response is, I don't know.
1: Okay.
2: In fact, if you really look carefully, I don't know anything. Nada. Not really. Okay. I don't know where thought comes from. I don't know what it is. I don't know what Robert is. I don't know why we're here or where we came from. I don't know what this is or this. Not really. And there's, a. I call it divine ignorance. Because once you can become comfortable with that, which the ego does not like, not knowing, if you become comfortable with that, a spaciousness of mind opens up that's very free. If you don't know, you're no longer responsible to do something about it. You just don't know which is the truth. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Not even Jesus and Buddha and Barack Obama and yeah. Gorbachev and nobody knows, actually. Okay.
0: Then how can a like
1: a therapist guide another person? <laughs>
3: <if> nobody knows.
0: <laughs>
2: By witnessing and loving.
0: By being present.
2: That's all we do for each other.
0: Holding a light.
2: We all want to be seen or known. The therapist agrees to listen and to care.
0: I'm pretty sure it's Rumi that said, um, be a lamp, a lifeboat, or a ladder.
2: When I I had many years of training psychotherapists, teaching people to do therapy all the while I was myself learning. The, the trap that the beginning therapists fall into is thinking they have to do something to solve a problem or give a good advice, or, and it's the, it's the therapist ego that needs to do that. It isn't for the client, really, and so we always taught, well, once that comes let it go let it go you can't help that way not really so where does right action fit into this <laughs> mhm right okay i think everybody heard that right action occurs right action occurs when you're no longer mo- motivated by selfish self-concerned impulse when it's not the action isn't oriented toward beefing up you and There's an openness of heart and mind Then right action can occur and it occurs spontaneously often and very directly without much thought about it right action is the the ego self in its sanity Mm-hmm.
0: For me, the, the deeper the practice is, um, coming out of that is a natural flowing of compassion and of connectedness to other people. And um, because as we sit and witness our own suffering, the more we realize that, Everyone has this. Everyone has this wound that Robert was talking about. Everyone suffers from this, this separation. And um, you, you naturally find yourself being generous and taking the right action when confronted with a situation. You don't think about it. It's, it's the just,
2: beginning of compassion.
0: It just happens because compassion comes from that.
2: Once you know your own suffering... You become compassionate, automatically. Yes. Um, I I can totally see the value in experiencing the world with your five senses as a way to be present. Uh, Experiencing the world as?
1: Uh, Experiencing the world with your five senses. Yeah. Um, But that still seems kind of limiting to me, because that's only five different ways to experience things. Is there some value in developing something else? Everything that we
2: experience is through our senses. But that's it?
1: That's all we get?
2: Yes. That's all we know. We only know ourselves that way.
1: People talk about a sixth sense, or is there no way to develop some other way to sense the world besides Mm -hmm. outside of the five? That
2: That develops when we're no longer attached to the ego reaction to the senses. Uh. Then there is an intuitive, direct knowing. and In Vipassana, it's called insight. Where you, you get information out of the emptiness that's not motivated by, or, it, or translated by thought, or concepts. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Um, I think it's a wonderful book called Everyday Zen, and um, this woman, uh, Charlotte Joko Beck, she talks about becoming the experiencing. Like we could be the experiencer, which is the I, the me. And the path is to become one with the experiencing, I-N-G. So that's, that's definitely connected to the senses. The, the experiencing is going to happen through the senses, through the five portals. And um how uh, we when we're in that split, when we're in the little self, we think of that we are experience we are the experiencer, but in this uh, sort of approach to the path, it's we drop the experiencer, and we are experiencing, so whatever is happening, we are experiencing it, and it's awareness, it's pure yeah. awareness.
2: I think it would be good to add a little to that yeah. topic of the of we know the world through senses that's the only way we know okay and if you break that down it becomes obvious that everything happens within us for instance hearing vibrating air strikes the eardrum sets it to vibrating it the vibration carries over into tiny bones that are on the eardrum. They vibrate, and then that vibration is picked up in the cochlea or the sound chamber by tiny little hairs that start vibrating in certain ways. And then eventually those vibrations take uh, their their way into the auditory nerves, and then the hearing is actually heard in the brain. We don't hear anything outside. It's all occurring inside. The same with vision. Photons strike the retina and stimulate. The, the images of the, there, is no long, there isn't an image yet. The photon stimulation travels along the optic nerve into an area in the occipital brain in the back of the head. And then vision occurs there. So what you see is inside you. What comes is light. And so everything we experience is is all us. And the ego wants to own that. And say, hmm, I'm powerful. Look what I'm doing. But it's just all, all automatic movement of, of particles and waves without anyone doing it. It's very mysterious, very, but quite beautiful how it all happens. Everything is within you. You can even think of it, there's, no, there's nothing outside. And then eventually you realize there isn't anybody here.
1: <laughs>
2: Not really. We're all just these uh, movements <laughs> happening in the, in the context of emptiness. Which brings us to a, another area we want to go into, is listening sound.
1: Yes, listening.
2: Mm-hmm. I'll start it. Mm-hmm. This is a, a teaching and a path that uh, Catherine and I came to in 1969 and we spent time in india with a great teacher who taught us how to listen how to hear it's also a teaching that uh, is buddhist uh, it's called the uh, listening to the nada sound or the sound of silence in our training it was listening to what was called an inner sound named it had a name called the shabad okay it's essentially listening to the sound of silence when the mind becomes quiet enough that there's not great distraction with thought and emotional activity and there's a willingness to be with just what is, and you start listening into the emptiness of silence, you'll begin to hear from within a sound, the sound of silence. It's had many, many names down through history. It's an ancient practice, very old, and it has been called In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God in the Bible. It's been called the guest. The Sufis call it the guest. It's been called the Holy Spirit. It's been called the wee small voice within. It's been called the music of the spheres. It's been called the logos. it, it, It transcends all cultural divisions. Really, it's a, it's a universal experience. I like to think of it as this, the sound of silence is the sound of life manifesting in material form, essentially. It's the beginning of uh, materiality at this plane of existence. I like to think of it that it comes from way beyond Earth, or below or anywhere that's earthly, we've, we've been for years and years practicing listening to the sound of silence. Uh, there's so much to be said about it, it's amazing. The most accurate word that's ever been given to it, we think, is it's called the comforter. Comforter. It it is always present, never ever stops. It's always available. When we tune into it, we leave. Our attention leaves it. It always brings uh, comfort. And the in, especially when you're feeling lost and confused and and. Uh, what is this world and how did i get here and what am i supposed to do and all of that's going around and around and around if you can quiet down enough and start listening at that level everything all the answers are given there's no more question now it sounds maybe like extravagant but uh it's true actually there is a sound of silence it reverberates within everyone it's possible to listen to it and it is the comforter and it's it's been turned into religions from time to time but you can it, you don't need religion to hear it it's simply presence it's presence and when you hear it there's an uh, there's an orientation toward now, because it only happens now, you see. And it's very compelling when you start hearing it. It, You want to hear it more and more and more, because now is the... If there's anything we're evolving toward, it's to live now, in the moment. That's, I'm seeing, that is the movement into the evolution of consciousness. And it seems to be happening. There's more and more interest in non-dual practices, non-dual philosophy. Non-dual being like out beyond the split that we've been talking about with the ego and the the other. So that's I just think I should stop there mm-hmm. about it. We'll, we have more to say about it, but. It relates to what we're doing today, this is because when you can begin to hear the sound, you don't listen to thought. Thought keeps happening, but you don't listen to
0: it. Maybe you want to say something to this um, lady who has the tinnitus ringing in the ears.
2: Very often, people who say they have tinnitus, they're just, the sound is loud. And rather than run to the doctor and try to get t- treatment, stop looking at it as, as a problem and try listening to it, rather than try to avoid it. it, it people who have tinnitus, especially if it's loud, find it, it's really annoying. Well, I'm sure it is, because it wants your attention. It is the, a sound like tinnitus. When first heard, it, it's most likened to uh, the cliche: is it sounds like a field of crickets. Shh. You hear it when everything is silent.
0: Some people also say that they experience it like uh, being underneath um, the sound that comes from power lines. Mm-hmm. You know, the, that. So would you say that whatever sound you hear is a pathway to the sound of silence? Yes. And just stay with whatever you're hearing? Yes.
2: Hearing is a direct route to awakening.
0: And it's a lovely alternative to listening to your thoughts. (laughs) (coughs) we We know how seductive those are.
2: Boring repetitive. But
0: somehow they like to grab us, don't they? We're so fascinated with ourselves. Because they're always about me. <laughs> yes, exactly. What an interesting topic.
2: The most important topic the in the world. The most important
0: person in the world, yes. right?
2: That's ego self.
0: And um, the other thing for those of you that have been practicing Vipassana, and in, in terms of how you uh, rest into the breath. The same thing uh, can happen if you open to kind of resting into the sound.
2: And even if the sound isn't immediately obvious, the silence is.
0: Yes, you can rest into the silence.
2: And everything comes out of silence. All manifestation comes out of silence.
0: Yes, there was a question over here.
1: Um, When I was... Did a long retreat. I ended up doing that primarily for a period, and I got very, very concentrated doing that. And I was actually told by my teachers that I shouldn't be t- using it
0: as a concentration practice. Uh-huh. Um, so, I don't, if you have any. Robert comments. can take that one. He's, uh, he's a teacher emeritus here. <coughs>
2: I- I'm emeritus. That's yes, true. you are.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: It is a concentration practice, but it's a concentration practice that opens to the total uh, experience of bodily life. They, it doesn't separate you there's a hum. is that right He's the sound. <coughs> hmm? it, 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 It's a practice that doesn't like take you up and out of the world <laughs> That's the sound of silence, but uh, when you really relax into it, it uh, fills the body and becomes a total body experience also, it's very somatic. In fact, and see if you can go this way with me, the vibratory sound of silence translates into the physical realm as sensations. So the sensations in your body are that sound manifest in the physical. So when, you, when you're listening to inner sound and you open to it all, you become a field. It's a, you, you, there's no body form. There's field of energy.
1: But I, I, felt like I, was, I, mean, I felt like I
2: was being told I was doing it wrong. Not so. Not so. It's just uh, not taught usually in the way we're talking about it. And we're talking about it this way because it's been our 40 years' experience, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, have the same issue and. uh, You can't. I I feel the same issue, the same uh, question about uh, is the concentration part of it, and where the your thoughts and experiences become sort of like dust, flakes of dust in the atmosphere. Yeah. But there's there's no noting anymore, you know. The possibility notes and, right, right. So, uh, but mm-hmm. it doesn't diminish the sensations and things. It doesn't mask them, and they don't mask the sound. Right, right. So, intellectual linear activity is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. In fact, listening to the sound uh, absorbs you into a very Very near to true nature, but prior to concepts. It brings up that question about doing it right. Uh huh. (laughs) Yeah. Doing it right. The ego wants to do it right,
0: and get somewhere. Catherine, in the last meditation, you spoke of listening with the whole body, and I wasn't. sure how to do that, and it just went more to a feeling sense. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit. Well, like Robert is saying, that the sound actually manifests as sensation in the body, and as sort of a a run-up to that, if you're listening to the, if you're listening to external sound or you're listening to the internal sound, either way, we tend to focus just on our ears, you know, or like somewhere up here, right? But if you kind of, can feel into the experience that your whole body is like an energy field and your whole, and your whole body can become the, uh, 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 the receptor of the auditory field. And sometimes it can be really strong in your hands. Like if you have, if, you, if anybody's interested in exploring this idea, the easiest place to feel it is in your hands. So, uh, so uh, but you can do it just with your hands. You can do it um, with your kind of trunk, or you can do it with your whole body, and you begin to experience the um, the uh, connection between sound and vibration that there's this uh, sensory thing that's happening when you're part of that big auditory field. You know. Thank you. does that help you? Okay. Yes, a helpful metaphor with the tool Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like your body is the tuning fork? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, yeah, hmm We are vibrating atoms. We are neuronic.
1: <laughs>
2: a couple of years ago, the poet laureate, who, he was poet laureate for a few years, Billy Collins, was hanging out in Todos Santos, and uh, doing some teaching and sitting in our, our sangha. Uh, and he's learned about this, what we're speaking about uh, in that, at that time. And he wrote a poem that appeared in his next book. And it was inspired by the listening to the inner sound. And he dedicated it to me and I'd like to share the poem with you. Uh, he called it the Great American Poem.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and it has Billy Collins's typical sense of humor. It's at, 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 at the end of the poem, he brings in the listening. If this were a novel, it would begin with a character a man alone on a southbound train, or a young girl on a swing by a farmhouse. And as the pages turned, you would be told that it was morning or the dead of night. And I, the narrator, would describe for you the miscellaneous clouds over the farmhouse and what the man was wearing on the train, right down to his red tartan scarf and the hat he tossed onto the rack above his head, as well as the cows sliding past his window. I love that. Eventually, one can only read so fast, you would learn either that the train was bearing the man back to the place of his birth or that he was headed into the vast unknown. And you might just tolerate all of this as you waited patiently for shots to ring out in a ravine. Now remember, this is the great American poem. Shots to ring out in a ravine where the man was hiding or for a tall, raven-haired woman to appear in a doorway. But this is a poem, not a novel. And the only characters here are you and I, alone in an imaginary room, which will disappear after a few more lines, mm-hmm. leaving us no time to point guns at one another or to toss all our clothes into a roaring fireplace. I ask you, who needs the man on the train and who cares what his black valise contains? We have something better than all this turbulence, this lurching toward some ruinous conclusion. I mean the sound that we will hear as soon as I stop writing and put down this pen. I once heard someone compare it to the sound of crickets in the field of wheat, or more faintly just the wind over that field, stirring things that we will never see." Sweet poem.
0: Lovely
2: and that kind of says it we have something better than all this turbulence <laughs> the turbulence being the ego self and listening being a way of loving it actually loving it it's
0: going to be a short one <clears throat> yeah we're going to have a short sit because we break for lunch at 12 30. so Will be ringing the gong, and um, and Katie will come and make some announcements pertinent to lunch.
2: <clears throat> so, in this sitting, be aware of the profound silence in the room when we're very, very quiet. It's a presence in itself. You can think of it as the space between thoughts, too. Or that which thoughts appear within is the silence. In fact, everything appears within it. Mm -hmm. You and I, this sound of my voice, the sensations in your legs, the thought that's moving through your mind, all of it appearing in silence. So you could begin by listening outside, silence. There isn't much. I don't know. The birds are singing. It's very quiet in here. So listen as though you were sitting front row center in the, a huge musical hall and there was an orchestra going to do a symphony. How you would listen then is you would just open up and let the sound come to you. Try to make anything happen. There's nothing to do. Just open to hearing. Relax the body, let it dissolve in the sound of silence, let it melt in silence, the body.
0: So, Katie's coming to uh, make a few announcements. And as you listen to her, see if you can also listen to the silence between the words. See if you can also listen to the silence. Okay.
3: Good afternoon. Ooh, this one's loud. Yeah, yeah. Good afternoon. Uh, thank you all for your patience today with our sound issues. Uh, hopefully, we have it figured out. I just have a couple of uh, lunchtime announcements. First, for those participants uh, attending today for CE credits, please do stay for the entire day. Your certificates will be available at the end of the day and at no other time. Um, If you did not bring your lunch today, there is a deli in the nearby town of Woodacre. You can drive or walk. It is a lovely walk. There are directions on the tea table in the hall. If you did bring your lunch, you're welcome to uh, eat outside or here in the hall. If you do eat in the hall, please be mindful of our light-colored carpeting. Out on the land, also please be aware that we are in nature, and there are some fun things out there like rattlesnakes and ticks and poison oaks, so um, be aware of where you sit and check yourselves before coming back in the hall. Also, I'd like to tell you about a couple of upcoming events that we are hosting. Uh, next, Saturday, next Sunday, excuse me. Gary Buck and Leslie Grant will lead a day long called Mindfulness in Psychotherapy and Education with Children and Parents. CE credits will be offered for that day. That's tomorrow. No, no, that's next Sunday. Next Sunday. Ajahn Pasano is tomorrow. Tomorrow is Adana Day um, with Ajahn Pasano. The following Sunday, the 16th, Spring Washam will be here hosting this month's Sunday mornings at Spirit Rock, talking on the topic of patience, and in the afternoon, she will lead a half day on the power of loving-kindness. In... uh, Monday, September 10th, begins a class series, a four-week class series with Anna Douglas on the experience of aging as Dharma practice. We do have some wonderful upcoming retreats that still have some space available. On September 24th, begins a six-night retreat, The Way Way of the the Sacred Feminine. Uh, It is a retreat for women with Julie Western, Deborah Chamberlain Taylor, and Spring Washam. There's also space in the six-night uh, retreat, Coming Home, a retreat for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, inquiring and in genderqueer communities. This is taught by Arena Weissman, Larry Ying, and Pascuala Claire. That begins October 8th. And then finally, James Barras, Deborah Chamberlain Taylor, and Spring Washam will lead a, five-day, a five-night retreat on Awakening Joy, Dharma Practice as a Path of Happiness. So those are some of our upcoming events. We have many beautiful events here at Spirit Rock. Please take a look at our catalog and some of the flyers we have in the hall. Um, I wanted to say thank you today for our work exchange participants. We have a wonderful group of volunteers here today that are helping us out. A lot of the work that we do here depends on our volunteers, so deep bows to you all. And if anyone is interested in any volunteer opportunities or work exchange opportunities, I would be happy to talk to you about that in the office. Also, I um, wanted to say thank you for those who carpooled here today. We're trying to make an effort to reduce our carbon footprint and create a sense of community. So um, thank you all very much, and I hope you enjoy your lunch.
2: Um, 1.30?
3: So please be back here at 1.30. Mm-hmm. We will ring a bell outside about five minutes before then. Thank you.
2: Now that my egoic shameless promotion is here, uh, I have a new book on the table there. It's my artwork and writing and, and both and poems. And if you're curious, take a copy and look through it during the break, see if you like it. The paintings are all abstracts and pretty out of the box. Yeah, uh, and
0: also for any of the therapists um, that are here, for any of the therapists that are here, If you would like to ask me specific questions regarding uh, how you can apply these things or how they fit.
2: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.